morning to our friends online. We say good morning to you and thank you for being with us. You are a part of this church body. You are part of the people of God and you are part of Crossroads Church. So we're grateful that you are with us, whether you're putting it on your big smart TV or you've got your iPhone, whatever way it is, we're grateful that you're here. And there's so many ways that you can watch, whether it be on Facebook, ccmonline.org, or you can even listen to this as a podcast uh, during the week uh, on iTunes podcast. So how grateful we are to see you, how grateful we are that you're going to be able to experience communion with us in a little bit. And so if you haven't had a moment to do so already, uh, why don't you head to uh, to your kitchen or wherever you might have some chips or tortillas or crackers or whatever you have and some juice, and we'll be receiving communion and celebrating the season of Advent together. Morning, church. Morning. It is great to have help and hope. But this psalm, as we read together this morning and, and bring ourselves to worship, reminds us that we're blessed because we have help from God and hope centered on God. So Psalm 146 says, Blessed are those whose help comes from the God of Jacob, whose hope is centered in the eternal, their God, who created the heavens, the earth, and the seas, and all that lives within them, who stays true and remains faithful forever, who works justice for those who are pressed down by the world, providing food for those who are hungry. The eternal frees those who are imprisoned. He makes the blind see. He lifts up those whose backs are bent in labor. He cherishes those who do what is right. The eternal looks after those who journey in a land not their own. He takes care of the orphan and the widow, but he frustrates the wicked along the way. The eternal will reign today, tomorrow, and forever. People of Zion, your God will rule forever over all generations. Praise the eternal. So what I think about with communion is people. You know, I mean, I do use the words of institution that Jesus used, but honestly, it's more about being at the table with you than me doing it right. It's more about me saying we are sharing a faith right now and it's going to be messy and things are going to turn out the way they turn out unless you have someone who's more skilled standing with you leading. But I want to say I, I hope all of us know that God sees us today. And God is actually totally focused in on your heart. You are not alone. God is paying attention to what's going on in your life as Jesus did at the table with his friends when he was about to go into the hardest moment of his life. He said, taking the bread, take this, all of you, and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And every time you eat, remember. For you, remember. So can we do that and just, you can say, Jesus, I remember you, or you can just take this in. Jesus, I remember you. After supper was ended, Jesus lifted up the cup, gave thanks, said, take this, all of you, and drink. This is the cup of the new covenant. The forgiveness of sins for you and all people. 
every time you do that, remember that. And so together, Jesus, in whatever way we want to say what's true, the covenant that you've made with us, the sins you've forgiven of ours, we remember you. So, uh, okay, I've got one for you there, one oh, for me do? here, but okay. here you can have this one. So I just wanted to stand next to you. All right. Are you doing this with me? Uh, surely. Okay, I thought so. You be the left brain, I'll be the right brain. <laughs> All right. I'll do my very best. Oh, thanks, Tanika. Well, we say we welcome you. Can you tell that we're, we are not the experts at this next step stuff, but no, we're going to give it a, but we our have best important shot. things to say to you, so That's don't right. check out. So we out. welcome you, and you'll see that uh, on, on the, the screen and lots of places around, you'll see that there is a, uh, a code for you. Just take a picture up with your camera, and that'll take you to all the amazing things that are happening here at Crossroads Church, or you can go to ccmonline.org, and you can find that there. Okay, I just want to say about the giving opportunities, how oh. fabulous they are. Oh, you're so you good. You jumped ahead, but that is all right. Isn't that nice? Okay. And then, uh, so I wanted to tell you, I don't know if you noticed the basket in front, but this is for our domestic violence shelter that serves not just a few counties right here in, in Calhoun County, but takes in folks from, you can't, I can't even list to you all that happens at Safe Place. Um, we were at a dinner this week honoring the staff who is there uh, day and night taking care of our neighbors who have lived through untold things that, um, that they should never have had to live through and that they have hearts that are um, hopeful because of people like you. And so I don't know if you saw the wish list out there, but children and uh, families that are living in the shelter throughout the holiday season because it's not safe for them to be in their homes, we can be a part of making their Christmas what it's really all about, and it's about Jesus. So what do you say about giving them Jesus? Uh, you know, we, we can do that. We, we can some way uh, be a part of that. There's a, a person in our congregation who sews, like they're like knapsacks for the people at Safe Place all the time. She comes in with like a load of them because many times all they have are the clothes on their back or a garbage bag. And so I just want to say, friends, we can be a part of bringing the light of Christ to them in some uh, large or small way. These, are the, these people are our neighbors. They're our, brother, they're our brothers, our sisters. And, um, and so being a part of that. In fact, Scott and I will be at the party for the, the families this week. Uh, as well in your name. Just so you know, in your name, we've already done some things at Safe Place and SAS. And um, in your name, we bring the name of the people of God at Crossroads Church who want to be, um, who want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So anyway, so take a look at this on your way out. Wonderful. And uh, Shane, if we can go back a slide to our Bread of Life Food Pantry, which is tomorrow. And this is our Christmas giving opportunity, and there is still time. Uh, if you come uh, between now and when they start handing things out, if you'd like to give paper products, 
uh, paper towels, napkins, diapers, those kinds of things, the things that are not easy to get for our friends and neighbors who are under-resourced, and gently used uh, winter stuff, uh, we would like to take that as well. So, And also, if you would like to volunteer, we would love to have you be a part of it. You can show up anytime after 4.30, they will give you a job, and you will see uh, just the amazing work that God has for you to do with your hands and your feet to our neighbors and our friends and our family in our region. Yeah, and Shane, I'm going to follow you this time. Wherever you go, I'll follow you. Okay, the men's breakfast next week, I think Ed Edwards is going to make some wild something or another for you. Like he, 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 you know, do you guys know Ed? He's a wild game hunter, so you might have boar. I don't know what you're getting, but you're getting something good. Don't miss it. You really want to be there. And uh, It might go, couple, 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 or it might go, one of those yeah, things. You can never tell. You never know. Exactly. Thank never. you for the sound effects. No problem. So that's it. Sign up online. Wonderful. Journey Together, this is uh, for our candlelight services on Saturday, December 4th at 5 p.m., or Sunday, December 25th at 10.32, our normal time on Sunday morning. Uh, so we hope to see you at one of those uh, family services, and uh, we can celebrate the season together. Yeah. And is there anything else? Thank you. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> well, let's, You'll keeping with joy, let's, let's keep going with joy and giving... Uh, Kids and oh, teachers, lots of oh time. there is one more thing. So, you know, this beautiful lady in the white who, run, who uh, runs our fair trade table at the back, all of these gifts, if you want to give out gifts that are ethically sourced and support people that are under-resourced or surviving very many things, you know, you can, you can buy your gifts there. I always buy my daughters those gifts and, um, and, and love it and, uh, and granddaughters too. So... Let's say thanks to our beautiful Karen for being an ambassador for Mercy House. Hi, Crossroads. My name is Jacqueline, and my husband, Griff, and I are expecting our first baby this January. And because of that, Claire and Scott invited me to share some reflections about my experience of Advent as an expecting mother. As I was looking towards this Advent, I realized that I had a greater sense of anticipation for the coming of Jesus than I had really ever experienced in another Advent season. I have found myself uh, in this in-between space, longing for Jesus in new ways. And I think a part of that has been because I now know what it has been like to long for this little babe inside of me. I know what it is like to love someone intimately and deeply who I have never seen and even technically never even met before. It's astounding to me, but also makes perfect sense that God would choose this most human way to enter the world. I think my pregnancy, or I think throughout my pregnancy, this has been the most attuned that I have ever been to my body. I've noticed every pain, every twinge, and every movement of our baby. And to me, that seems like one of the most human experiences that God, Jesus, chose to enter into. And that Mary chose to enter into this experience with Jesus. This has also been a season where I have felt a loss of control that has been new to me. 
I, just like Mary, willingly chose to give up my body to share it with a little human I have never met to bring someone new into the world. Someone who is known, but yet also unknown. And it has been crazy as my body has grown a whole new organ to be able to maintain this life. I don't have any control over it, and yet my body has known just how to do that. And as I have coupled this loss of control with the season of Advent, I've wondered if this could exactly be a reflection of what God is calling us to in this season. A space of now, but not yet. Advent, like pregnancy, is a season of transition between what is not yet and what will be. And this waiting, as much as I want to hurry it along, it just can't be forced. In fact, as I was thinking about this um, time, it's actually better for my baby to wait until they are ready to be birthed. Just like Mary, I have had to trust that this waiting will be worth it, and that when God is ready, God will speak. I see through the story of Mary that God is birthing something new through humanity, and that in the same way, God's message is working its way through you and me. Through our humanity, through our yearnings and our longings, God's presence is in the midst of it all, as we are at this threshold between the now and the not yet. My prayer for you, my prayer for us, is that we would sense God's presence, that we would cling to God and his goodness in the same way, I'm sure, Mary clung to the angel Gabriel's words that God is with you. Let's pray. So Lord, we thank you for those words from Jacqueline. And all of us are waiting, God, waiting for something to be birthed in our lives. And as we wait, we wait in faith today, we wait in hope, we wait with joy, and we trust, even as Jacqueline said, we trust in you, God, for what you're working in our lives. So on this day, as we continue to wait, uh, we also give you thanks in advance for what you're working in us, what you're birthing in each and every one of our lives. And we pray on this day that you would birth joy in our lives in a new and fresh way in a way that hasn't been experienced in our lives before in Jesus name amen amen so we are continuing our advent series um, entitled wait for it and uh, we've been kind of covering the themes up here we're trying to stay connected to what the kids are doing upstairs um, we're covering more of the themes here, but the kids are touching on each theme. In other words, every week there's a different theme. We've talked about hope. We've talked about peace. And this week we're going to talk about joy. And um, I want to jump right into the scripture in Luke. Uh, today the kids have a lot going on upstairs. They're covering Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds. So that's a lot of turf to cover. Um, so that, I'll, I'll probably be speaking for about two hours here. Anyway, no, only kidding. It'll just feel that way. Anyway, let's jump right in. In Luke uh, chapter 1, speaking of Mary, this is 
Now, Mary, at this point, just a little backdrop, she knows uh, that she has a child on the way, um, and she goes to her cousin Elizabeth, and this is what the scripture says. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. That's John the Baptist, in case you uh, aren't familiar. Uh, we find that out a little bit later. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, and can we all stand for this? I want to read this together. This is a part of what's called the Magnificat. Um, we're going to read this. As, uh, this is just a piece of that, and uh, we'll get into more of this later. But anyway, let's read this together. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. For now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. The mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. You can go ahead and be seated. Mary, uh, just imagine, I want you to imagine for a moment what what's going on in her life. Um, she's got a lot of things going on that she's got to be bewildered. She's got to be wrestling with. She's a human being, right? And there are miraculous things happening in, happening in her life. So there's that going on. Uh, you could say possibly there's some confusion, but God is doing the things that only God can do to try to help her with that process. But it's remarkable how Mary responds to what God is doing in her life, as hard as it may have been in some ways, right? She responds in a powerful, profound way. And in this scripture, we begin to get a sense of how she is a person of rejoicing. Rejoicing is just another word for joy. She's a joyful person, somehow, some way, in the midst of her youth, in the midst of everything going on, she immediately turns to God. Paul, in speaking of rejoicing in Philippians 4, says this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. One translation, the New Living Translation, verse 4 there, puts it this way, always be full of joy in the Lord. Paul says, I will say it again, rejoice. 
Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do, and remember the Lord is coming soon. Now Paul kind of gives a tutorial for us as he sits in a Philippian jail about how to be a joyful person, how to be a person of rejoicing. And his life and Mary's life are such amazing pictures of how in the midst of life that goes on and sometimes goes on beyond even our comprehension, and sometimes it could certainly be defined as difficult, they go back to rejoicing. Paul tells us to rejoice always. Paul tells us that let our gentleness be evident to all. If you, were to, if you and I were to summarize what Paul, um, Paul's view or even Mary's view, because they're kind of parallel, on joy, their teaching, it could be summarized in just a few kind of basic steps. We would call them basic, but for some reason they seem to be difficult most of the time for a lot of us. But Mary and Paul seem to be able to lean into these. The first thing that we see is Paul says, give thanks. In verse 6, he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Everyone say with thanksgiving. See, the first thing to understand in order to be a joy-filled person to be a person that on your interiority you have this sense that God is with you and that in itself is enough. It's not all that God does in our lives, but it, if it were the only thing, it would be enough. Thanksgiving starts as a posture. It starts as a stance. It starts as a place of knowing simply this. Your life, my life is a gift. Your life is a gift. The place to start Thanksgiving is just to understand what God has given you in life. Your life is a gift. It's not a right that we had a life. We're, we, we don't. We, we didn't. It's like everything we've been given has been given. Our life is a gift. And out of that, once we can begin to understand that our life is a gift... We can move into the practice of what do I do with that when it comes to Thanksgiving. See, uh, to be thankful, to live in Thanksgiving, uh, requires some practice, right? It doesn't just happen naturally, and it kind of breaks up in two different ways when it comes to practicing. The first thing is simply just the ritual of, of uh, practicing Thanksgiving, right? We might find this as a habit of giving thanks, it's a daily practice. It, sometimes it's a momently practice. It's a weekly practice. It's a monthly practice to give thanks, a yearly practice. Claire and I start every day with Thanksgiving. We, we start, uh, Claire mentioned earlier about uh, how most of the time I'll make coffee. Um, once in a while she'll burst out there and enjoy that process. But usually I'll start and the first thing we do is we pray together and we, we have a window in our bedroom and we, we pray together. We use an app, a prayer app. And a part of that moment together, those minutes together every morning as we share coffee and we pray together is about Thanksgiving. And we even talk about it. We're going to give thanks. We, we, we limit where we go 
we, we don't start praying about problems to start the day. We pray and give thanks. And we end the day that way. So it's a daily practice, weekly perhaps. This is an opportunity for us to give thanks. We're together just to be thankful that we're able to be in this room together. There are places in the world where this would not be possible. We're in this room together sharing uh, God's presence with one another, sharing encouragement with one another. It's an opportunity for thanksgiving. Annually, one of the things that we love to do, it's one of the annual things, is birthdays are a big deal and always have been at our house. And one of the things that we love to do is we gather around the table and whoever's birthday it is, we kind of embarrass them by toasting them, just giving thanks for them. We go around the table and say, okay, what are you thankful for? And think about it. Sometimes it's hard for some people to receive how just amazing their life is and how amazing the impact their life is on other people's lives, even in a family. And it's one of those great gifts of being able to be thankful for one another. But this observing and having a regular rhythm and exercising Thanksgiving is so much more important than any of us really realize, I think. It literally begins, Paul describes here, it begins to make a way. Paul uses this term in another uh, one of his writings that it renews your mind to have a rhythm of thankfulness. And then, of course, so there's, there's just the regular rhythm of giving thanksgiving, but how about this other one that's a little bit more challenging, and it's, I would call it changing course. To practice changing course or redirecting our thoughts. We don't have control over the thoughts that come in, but we can redirect the thoughts that come in, right? Sometimes thoughts come in like, this is a hard life. My life is hard right now. Or perhaps you might think life is unfair. Some of us think, you know, life is complex and it gets difficult or things are unjust. I mean, I could go on and on or things are hard and you can just list those things and they can begin to beat you down and wear you out. For some, this is more often and plenty than others. It becomes an invitation, Paul says, essentially for practice. I did this this morning. Like, take those things that just automatically happen. I mean, it's ridiculous sometimes when I think of my life and how much I need to grow in Thanksgiving, but I appreciate the invitation. So I'm preparing this talk, right? Thinking about joy, thinking about Thanksgiving, thinking about those types of things. And I'm getting ready to come over, and we, uh, I was going out into the car. In the wintertime, our garage gets pretty wet because of the snow on the cars and stuff. And so the floor's wet, and now, for the first time ever, we've decided to put both of our cars in the garage, so it's tight, right? And when you walk in between the cars, like you get dirty sometimes or whatever, Claire asked me to move the car out of the garage because we were bringing some things over for the kids upstairs. And sure enough, I found myself, I walked out in the garage, and right away I'm like, oh, brother, you know, it's wet, it's dirty, and... Other things came to my mind, and then I, it's like I stopped, and I thought, this is ridiculous. Like how quickly I can shift to negativity and not just be thankful for what I have. I mean, there's people, I'm, and I started, so I started to go to thankfulness. I, I redirected my thinking, right? 
I redirected my thinking from the garage is wet and it's tight in here to thank you for a garage, Lord. There are people that I know that don't have a home to live in. And my cars are in a garage. And then I went from there. I'll get back to that in a minute. But let's keep moving because I don't want to embarrass myself too much. Anyway, but perhaps some of us need to simply go to this place, change our mind. Thank you, God, that I'm safe. Thank you, God, that I do have a home or an apartment. Thank you, God, that I'm warm. I have a community. I have health. Thank you that I have provision and food. See, there are these things that um, some of us need to understand. We divert to automatically and we camp there. And it's not healthy for us, is what Paul's saying. It's not healthy. Some of us, maybe this time of year, it might be things like, you know, uh, something you're uncomfortable with. Or maybe you have less of something that, than what you want. That's totally understandable. But how about what we have? How about the abundance that we do have? How about the goodness that God has given to us? Anyway, so we need joy and thanksgiving now more than ever, don't we? You know that Thanksgiving, most of you may know this, but just to remind you, Thanksgiving was actually, and I love the fact that Advent usually comes very shortly after uh, Thanksgiving, as was true this year, is when it starts. But Thanksgiving was made an official holiday in the United States during the Civil War. It was under Abraham Lincoln, and the reality of our country was, it was as divided as it's ever been. There was deep suffering in our nation. There was incredible, uh, terrible things happening to different populations in our country. There was a lot of un injustice happening. In some ways, we were living as humans in some of the deepest level of evil that fellow humans could pay toward one another. And it was into that that Thanksgiving, and it wasn't a mistake, was instituted. Because there were people that realized the promises of politics and religion had failed. They hadn't lived up what they were there for. There was then and is now an incredible need to simply give thanks for how God is in our life and God's presence in our life is so critical as a loving and present God. God is here in the midst of all of the turmoil we're living in as, as a people and, and to bring it down into your individual situation, God is with you. And yes, there are hard things. Being a joyful person, having this underlying sense of joy doesn't eliminate the difficulty of life. It just says that I'm, I'm attracted more to what's going on in my interiority. And that supersedes the other things that life will bring. The second thing we see Paul say here is, there's this importance, and we certainly see it with Mary, is to draw near to God. He says this, the Lord is near. Don't you love that term? Just sit with that a second. The Lord is near. God is near. 
Do not be anxious, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer, present your requests to God. See, the main source of joy is our proximity to God. Nothing can take that from any of us. No lack of something, no, no, no disappointment. Paul's in a prison cell. Mary's a young woman who's facing a lot of stuff. But they're close to God. Paul says, draw near to God. The scripture says that Mary pondered all these things in her heart. She drew nearer and nearer to God because that was her source of joy. That was Paul's source of joy. Karl Barth says this, he says, This triune being and life is radiant, and what the Trinity radiates is joy. See, nothing, understand this, nothing or no one, no being, nothing is more joyful than God. Psalm 16, verse 11 says it this way. It says, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill my life with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So the second thing, we we need to lean into thanksgiving because that produces a joy in our life. We also need to draw near to God. As we draw near to God, we come under that connection. It's like God's presence radiates joy in our life. Claire said it earlier. It's like for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Jesus at one point told the disciples and told us, he said, listen, uh, I, I, my joy, that my joy might be complete and that you would know that joy. It's God's desire that we would live fully in joy. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He said, if you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to get wet, you must go into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. They are not a sort of prize which God could, if he chose, just hand out to anyone. If you are close to it, the spray will wet you. And if you are not, you will remain dry. You want to know how to get joyful? Draw near to God. Draw near closer to God now more than ever. And lastly, Paul tells us to tend our thought life. Paul, the way he describes it, kind of gives you this sense that your mind and mine is kind of like a garden. And it's important to pay attention to either the water flow into that garden or the seeds that are being planted in that garden. This is how he says it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. I'm going to read it again. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, 
think on such things. See, you notice what Paul's inviting us to, to fill our minds and our imagination is really, when you look at it, it's, it's kind of a list, right? And it's the exact opposite of the stream and seeds of information that so easily flow from most of the digital and other sources in our lives and in our world. If you were to scroll or read through or listen to the media, social media, news sources, it would be a stream of, instead of Paul's list, it would be a stream of, and maybe you've experienced this, falsehoods, that which is dishonorable, things that are impure, wicked, ugly, of bad reputation, of poor moral quality, blameworthy. Think about that. What Paul's saying is, tend to your mind. Tend to your thinking. When you allow seeds and a flow, a stream of information that is contrary to what we're invited to, to experience joy, doesn't it just make sense that we pay attention and maybe shut down some of the things that are going on that we've been listening to? See, it really is hard to imagine, isn't it, when you think about it, living a joy-filled life, if all we fill our lives with is what's ugly, what's sad, and what's broken. You could make a strong argument that joy is a cultivated way of seeing the world. By being thankful by drawing near to God, and then by tending to our thought life. We cultivate a way of seeing the world that we live in. We tend our garden. We become fruitful and blossoming in perspective. See, joy in many ways could be described as our perspective the way we see things and the way we see things is by what we have taken in and what we have filled our lives with. I mean, when I read about Mary and Paul, it's like, it's pretty obvious what they've been filling their life with. In Paul's mind, it, it, it seems pretty simple. It's almost oversimplistic. And when we talk about it, I think that most of us resonate with it. It's like, yeah, thanks, Thanksgiving, draw near to God. Pay attention to your thought life. Slow down a bit. Let go of the life that you wish you had and embrace the life that is a gift that is yours and allow God to take you from that place. Give thanks, draw near to God, and tend to your thought life. This, over time, over days, over weeks, over months, over years, over decades, over a lifetime, this will renew your mind. This will renew my mind. This will cause joy to grow and grow and expand and increase 
And over time, what happens is joy becomes your foundational emotion. It's not your only emotion. It's not the only thing that's going on inside of you. Other things come out. We're, we're, we're human beings. We struggle with things. Emotionally, we wrestle with different things. But over time, if we have this regular rhythm of thanksgiving, drawing near, and then tending to our thought life well, what begins to happen and what begins to accelerate in our life is we become more and more joy-filled people. Now, that's the good news. That really is the good news. I'll leave you with this. My grandmother, the last moments of her life, she was, she was one of the most joy-filled, God-loving people that I've ever known. She was so sweet. She was so thankful. She had a lot of physical uh, challenges in her body multiple. I never heard her even talk about them. Anyway, my grandmother gave her last breath at a dinner table. My grandfather said she sat down as she always did and she prayed for everybody in the family that she, as they came to her mind, and she gave thanks for each person and then after she remembered every person, every child, every grandchild, and spoke blessing and goodness over their life, she said this. She said, and God, I just can't take this anymore. And she breathed her last. Now, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes people say, I can't take this anymore and they don't breathe their last. But I believe that in that moment, God invited her to enter her rest. But it was a life that was filled with thanksgiving, drawing near to God, and tending to her thought life. I came onto the scene in her life pretty far along. She had lived a lot of life, but I never heard her say a negative thing about anybody. She had a well-tended to thought life. And she certainly drew near to God. Let's be those people. Let's be those people that daily, weekly, monthly, over years and decades, Let's be those people. Let's be those people. Let's be the kind of church that people start to look at and say, that's a joyful, loving, wholehearted group of people. Not a perfect people, but a joy-filled people. So, Lord, even now, we pray that you would open unto us the treasures that can only be found in you. Open us up to joy, God. We have a practice for you having to do with the Magnificat and the words of Mary. 
So first, we're going to allow the, the words of this scripture to come to the screen, and we're going to let you wonder what invitation God might have for you today with Mary's words. As Scott said, the first Thanksgiving was during the Civil War, and as you know, even that Thanksgiving is fraught with all kinds of problems, right? That there were, uh, there were many things going on in our world at the time, and there are again today. And there was when Mary wrote the Magnificat. She actually wrote this song during a time when people were treated unjustly, when there was great political unrest, when the Jewish people were oppressed by the Roman Empire. This was an evil time in the world, my friends. It was not, you know, away in a manger, no crib for us. Well, I mean, that's kind of bad. But you know what I'm saying. I mean, we have these sweet songs that, that make our, uh, our idea of Christmas more sentimental than true. In fact, Aaron Nequist said it this way, let's puncture the sentimentality of Christmas with reality. Because there was something going on there that really makes Mary's words so powerful that if she were to say these words in the midst of an unjust society, a time when people were not created equally in other people's eyes, but they were, but we didn't treat one another that way, just like today. The king that was in charge at that time depressed the poor. There was oppression of every kind. And Mary, my soul does magnify the Lord and my spirit does rejoice in God my Savior. For he who, has, who is mighty has done great things, is lifted up the oppressed. So I want to read the scripture, and I want you to just allow those things, even as Scott said, you know, that Mary and Paul dipped into a greater reality. As we said earlier, the bedrock of our soul is God's reality, not, not Twitter or TikTok. There's so much I could say right now, but I will not. Let's read the scripture together. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who revere him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. This is Mary's fight song. Take back her life song. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. 
My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who revere him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm, and he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. And he has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised. So take a moment in the quiet here. And whatever in your life is unresolved, as Jacqueline said, between the now and the not yet, all that you're waiting for to be good and beautiful, and allow the Holy Spirit to leap in your own soul with a promise of all will be well. Wait for it, God says. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wherever your thoughts scatter to what is negative, bring it right back here. Wait for it. Wherever you think things couldn't be worse, or when will that ever be better, come back to these words. Breathe it in. Wait for it. Bring the most difficult situation in our world scene to God right here. And hear the Holy Spirit say, wait for it. Be in a place of waiting the life that is within you to come. I'm going to invite you to stand as we pray the prayers of the people today and as we let Mary guide us 
in the prayers. Griff and Amanda are going to guide us. And our response each time will be, all my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. We remember your help and mercy. And every time you see something italicized in these prayers, they're Mary's words guiding us to pray today. And she doesn't pray from a peaceful song. She prays in a world that is fraught with evil. And she guides us in this prayer to God our Savior. My soul seeks to magnify the Lord as my spirit rejoices in my, my Savior. For the Almighty has done good things, and through this change feels slow and it is sometimes hard to find. I know that it comes. I know that it happens. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. We remember your help and mercy. With Mary, I wait for what has been promised. I wait for tables to be turned and power to shift, for a scattering of the proud and a tumbling of the mighty. I wait for new life and a new world. My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. We remember your help and mercy. For those who are treated as social outcasts just for being who they are or because of the events outside of their control, I pray for God's loving presence to be as real to them as it was to Mary when she proclaimed, the Lord has looked with her looked with favor upon looked sorry looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant my soul glorifies the lord and my spirit rejoices in god my savior we remember your help and mercy to the mighty one who has done great things i pray for an open heart and unblocked ears that I may hear the voices of the poor and oppressed and act to share their struggle for justice. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. We remember your help and mercy. For those who have experienced violence or who have been forced to flee their homes, I pray for God's mercy which Mary promised is for those who revere God from generation to generation. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. We remember your help and mercy. For those who experience racial hatred and suffer the bigotry of the narrow-minded, I pray that they might know the Lord has shown the strength of his arm and the proud will be scattered in the conceit of their heart. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Your help and mercy. For those who 
those who are suffering under the oppression of tyrants and dictators. I pray they may take comfort in knowing justice is coming for the Lord, has brought them down, the powerful from their thrones, and lifted up the lowly. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. We remember your help and mercy. For all those on our hearts today. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. We remember your help and mercy. We pray with longing that all may have the joy of the magnificent, as it is promised, is fulfilled with God among us. Our souls glorify the Lord, and our spirit rejoices in God, our Savior. We remember your help and mercy. Amen and amen. Jesus. 